Are your kitchen and bathroom way overdue for a remodel? Well, I got the guy for you. Call John Sellers at First Response Contracting, 484-256-7136. Both residential and commercial services, and he's licensed and insured. Call him at 484-256-7136, First Response Contracting. Hello, this is Brad Wiseman. You're listening to Real Estate and You. We are back for a special edition. I'm talking a really, really special edition. I got a guy. He's not just any guy. He is one of the top guys in real estate. He just happens to be the president of Keller Williams, Inc. And he is in the hot seat today. And I am looking forward to this. I met him about two months ago in person. And I said, hey, will you do a podcast with me? And he said, absolutely. And he kept to his promise. Mark King, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, Brad. I'm excited to be here. I love that intro. That was great. Why, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to just go, we're going to dive right into it. Like you guys always say when you're on stage, we're going to dive right into it. You're the president of the largest real estate company. Now I'm going to say country. Is it the world now? It is the world under one single brand. Yeah. We just crossed 175,000 agents in the United States and wow. Canada, over 200,000 worldwide. And we've just kind of just started our worldwide expansion uh, with Bill Sauter, the amazing Bill Sauter off uh, a few years ago, but we're in 53 countries. Awesome. Amazing. So I want to say, what what is it like to be you, the president of the largest real estate company in the world? What is that like? What a great question. I, I don't know. It's it's humbling. Uh, I'll tell you that because I, I don't ever look at business or or life for that matter as you know the leader sitting on the top and, and, and all the, the kingdom reports up right? We right. actually look at it in reverse. And this is a, a trait that Gary Keller shares. Um, and I think it's a trait that a lot of our former leaders share, and that is Mo Anderson, et cetera. And that is, you know, it's humbling to think about the 200,000 families that that I support and that yeah. I serve yeah. and that we have to create value for so that they can have a life worth living and a business worth owning and a career worth having and a legacy worth leaving, experience worth giving. You know, it's part of our mantra and I, I would tell you that it's number one, super humbling, but at number two, and again, you're, you're going to find I'm extremely transparent. Um, I call it like I see it. I, my foot and my mouth are the same size for a reason, Brad. <laughs> and, I, and I will tell you, I don't do this. And, I, and Gary will tell you, I don't do this for the income. I, I'm, I'm paid well and I'm very fortunate. I'm very happy and that's great. But I would do this for free. And I have other businesses and that sort of thing. I do this because I love this company. This company changed my life. It changed my mindset. It changed how I thought about things. It changed my wealth dramatically. Yeah. It changed everything about my life. And I and I bleed Keller red. That's why every car I own, I've I have three vehicles. They're all red. My That's chair cool. is red. I, I I bleed Keller red. I'm kind of like you. I don't know if you know this, but I wear red sneakers every single day. And I have like eight pair of different reds. I love red sneakers. So that's one of the things I do. I love red too. It happens to be my favorite color. But uh, so, you know, I think people will be very surprised, Mark, when they find out, and I just heard this in one of your interviews and it just blew my mind, that you actually came from one point in your life living in a car. Mm, yeah. So it, it does surprise people. And, and I will tell you that, you know, I've, if I were going to write an autobiography, which I, I'm not going to do, uh, but you know, it seems I, I'm not, just, I'm not that guy, but you know, we did an exercise. If you wrote an autobiography, what would you title it? And mine was very easy. It was a life of failure. Oh, wow. Because if you look at, if you look at my, my life in reflection, 
I have failed at everything I've ever done. My parents failed uh, at everything they did. You know, I came from, uh, my mom was an amazing, super hardworking, three jobs all the time. Mm. Southern Baptist, loves Jesus. My dad was an alcoholic, unemployed gambler. So I I grew up in this environment of, there was no feast, but there was a lot of famine. Yeah. And, and my mom did everything she could to keep the family together and to keep us afloat and do all those things. But we, you know, we didn't live paycheck to paycheck. We lived paycheck to car, to relative, to debt collector, wow. to paycheck. Yeah. And, and it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a hard upbringing. Yeah. That, that, and that's, it's, what's amazing is that a lot of times when people see somebody like you at the top of your game, you know, as the president of the company and, and they think, oh, that he had to come silver spoon or, you know, all these different things. I really think that sometimes you know, if you didn't have that life in the beginning, you probably wouldn't be where you are today. You wouldn't be the Mark King that, that you are today. You show up differently now because of your life back then. A hundred percent. And I, you know, I have a theory that the, the more pain you go through, mm-hmm. the easier it is to, to gain more. And you see this all over life. You study personal finance, which has become my passion for the last 20 years because I knew nothing about it. Yeah. And I've read thousands of books on the subject, et cetera. But when you study these rags to riches stories, it's not an accident that the people who built the biggest lives went through some of the most tumultuous things growing up. And mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, it's just a societal thing. You have a, a what I'm going to call a normal middle class socioeconomic upbringing. Uh, maybe you have to fight a little less to, mm-hmm. to get where you want to be, et cetera. It, it's easier to get complacent in my mind. And I have I have lots of examples of that. And and the people I know that had the hardest upbringing, I'm by far the the person who had the toughest upbringing that I know. And all of them have done something amazing. And I think it's, it's because you're fearless. I look, I, and my my favorite joke now, Brad is I could go back and live in a car tomorrow, but it's going to be a damn nice car. It's going to be, (laughs) and it's going to be red. It's going to be red. It's going to have really nice seats, heated seats, air conditioned seats, all that stuff. No, but that's interesting. But what a place to start from. I mean, I just, that blew my mind when I saw that interview. It really, really blew my mind. Now I'm going to have to, I got to go in a different direction here because this, this always cracks me up too. So Gary Keller is like your boss, right? Yeah. Okay. What is that like? Uh, so he would, he'd be mad at us for having this conversation because <laughs> he's, he doesn't treat, he doesn't treat anybody like their A boss. boss. He, yeah, exactly. he is an amazing dynamic accountability coach. Yep. And the thing about, the thing you have to understand about Gary Keller is um, when it comes to goals or business, he is the immovable object. So yeah. he's going to hit his goals and, and I hope you're the person to help us hit those goals kind of thing. And I yeah. love that environment. I'm an athlete, you know, grew up playing sports as an outlet. And so I love that accountability. Mm-hmm. I know exactly where the goal line is. I know exactly what play I need to run to get there. And, uh, and, and by the way, you know, the thing that I would say that shocks the most amount of people about Gary Keller He's, he's one of the, because he's a very direct personality, very, yeah. you know, on stage, yeah. his, his natural personality, he jokingly says is the, you know, if you look at the, the graphs and charts of personality, he has the son of a bitch graph. <laughs> that's his word. <laughs> oh, um, that's right? funny. I have to pay, I'm paying, but that's his normal, his normal default setting is super direct Yeah, yeah. where, you know, some of us are, it's a learned behavior. So, but what people don't understand about him is he's extremely generous Yeah, and he gives more money away than most people will ever earn in a lifetime yeah. every single year. And that's, I don't mean that to brag. People just don't know that side yeah. of him. They don't know that he currently pays insurance and, and expenses for, I don't know what the number is. It's 
maybe a hundred struggling musicians in Austin, Texas, yep. he buys music venue. He single-handedly kind of resurrected the Austin music vibe. Yeah, we saw that when we were down the, at uh, Family Reunion. Used that otherwise. Yeah, Amazing. and and it's it's just it's super cool. So, a random quick story on that. My wife's one of my wife's favorite bands. You're a musician, Brad. Yeah. Uh, she loves the Eagles. Oh, yeah, of course. Don't ask me why, but understand, growing up Southern Baptist, Hotel California comes straight from the devil. The devil wrote it, so <laughs> you're not allowed to listen to the Eagles. So I never, I was never an Eagles fan. So Gary, who has, you know, a, a box in the new Moody Theater, or, or uh, it's a basketball stadium is what it is, um, at UT, but the Eagles came to town. And so Gary's like, hey, do you want to go to the Eagles with me? And I'm like, Sure. What's that going to be like? So my wife and I got to go sit in Gary's wow. box and why, and, and you think, well, you guys work together, but just that experience, those, the tickets, my wife wanted it's to awesome. go and I'm cheap, Brad, <laughs> and the tickets were like $1,700 a piece. And I'm like, I am not paying $3,400 to go watch a band that, that has songs written by the devil. I'm not doing it. <laughs> wow. But you got to see them <laughs> of really good seats. That's fantastic. And it was amazing. Don Henley. Oh um, my gosh. Oh my gosh. Vince. So oh, yes. Skill. I'm yes. I'm going to geek out on this. So he's joined and kind of taken the, the sadly, the, the place of yeah. um, Glenn, the Glenn Fry. Yep. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. He sounds just as good. He's, I mean, it was, it's one of the best shows I've ever been to. And I'm so, yeah. and I knew every song as it turns out. So, yeah, the Eagles are pretty amazing. Random. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, you know, and that's what I was going to ask you too is like, you know, what we see on stage for, for Gary. Is that, is that what you see behind the scenes? Because he is very direct. I love the directness of it. I really do. That, to me, is the way I wish most people would be. Uh, I don't like when people you know try and soft sell or, or sugarcoat things. I like to just know what are you thinking and why are you thinking that. You know. So is he like that behind the scenes? A hundred percent. I think one of his superpowers is he is exactly what you see. Awesome. The, the part that people don't see that, it, you know, the, the generosity side, the kindness, the caring the you know, he'll be the first person. If I'm having a bad day, he's the first person to put his arm around me and, and give me some thoughts on how to how to correct it. That's cool. all those things. But that part you don't necessarily see on stage all the time. But here's here's one of his superpowers. He treats everyone fairly. He, he yeah. may not treat everyone equally, but right. he treats everyone fairly because there's in, in a business his size you can't treat the, the 500,000 people because he's got lots of businesses that, that he's in business with at some level. You can't treat them all equally. You can't give them all equal time. You can't, right. Yeah. You can't coach everybody the, the man doesn't, he doesn't fall prey to what I'm going to call triangulation or, yeah. you know, my, one of my counterparts here, Jason Abrams, who I think is probably the second greatest mind in all of real estate. He's uh, great. Gary, it, it would be easy in an environment like this for, for Gary to triangulate and, mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't do any of that stuff. Yeah. He, he treats everyone fairly and openly. If, if, and this, this is what I love about him. If someone brings up something and it's human nature, say, you know, Brad, Brad, <laughs> uh, Jason was, you know, I don't know if Jason's doing his job today and all, all those games that happen yep. in corporate America yep. that I've heard about don't happen here because if, if you go down that road, Gary's going to call it out, get everybody in a room, fix it. That's cool. So there's none of those games here. So, and I love that environment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reading a book right now called fierce conversations. I'm sure you probably have read it. Um, and, uh, that book there is really good. It's on one of my shelves. Yeah. Somewhere. 
I'm reading that right now, and I got to say, it's a really good book. Actually, Susan, our our, our uh, McFadden, our OP, is the one that suggested it for me, and I'm not I'm just starting it. And I got to tell you, that is that reminds me of Gary because that's how he is. I, I I can picture him being like that. Is that you just get the conversation out? Well, you're exactly right, and you know the fundamental theme I think Susan Scott there is is uh, the the relationship is the conversation. Yeah, and, exactly. And you can, you know, you, you can't build a, a great relationship with one conversation, but you can destroy one. Oh, absolutely. And if there's anything, you know, being, being in the, in these roles, there's a, there's a lot of challenges. I mean, let's, let's face it. We're in a highly litigious industry with yeah. 200,000 human beings and, yeah. you know, 53 countries, 815 offices. There's, there's a 32 regions. There's a lot going on. Yeah. And I've seen Gary Keller navigate uh, and he's teaching me the same through conversation, through the CV process, process career visioning, mm-hmm. and getting to know people and getting to the heart of things. And the man will stop everything he's doing and spend an hour with you to get to the heart of the issue. And in that conversation, build a relationship. It's awesome. He's very relational. Yeah, that's yep. cool. And well, that's, where it, that's why he is where he is, obviously. So, you know, one of the things I heard too, which is pretty interesting, uh, was that you, your first experience in real estate investing didn't go so well. Oh my gosh, no. (laughs) Which is kind of funny. So here's a, here's a book for you that the Gary just gave us. And that was the innovation stack. Oh, Um, if you haven't read it, it's actually, it's, it's a, it's a, I listen to it. So it's, it's, it, to me, there's some comedy there. It's, it's, it's entertaining to listen to, but it's a great point, but I'll, I'll give you the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. And that is, uh, innovation is never, someone has this amazing idea and they just go put all the systems in place and suddenly they create Google and they innovate the industry. Right. Innovation happens much more innocently than that. And we see it in real estate all the time, especially investing. So here's an example. When I started in, the, in this business, the top producer in my market was a $10 million agent. Oh my god! That was the top producer. Think about how far we've come. Yeah, that's crazy. And I wanted to, his name was Brad Korn. And he, ironically, my first recruit to Keller Williams later, but what I did is I started copying what he did, which exposed all the problems that he must have been facing that we don't talk about. Right. Then I figured out how to solve those problems, which led to bigger success, which led to bigger problems. And inside of three years, I was the number one agent in the board. Wow. I didn't realize at the time, but I was innovating there. And, you know, I, I sold 245 houses in 2008, which today with wow. the monsters in this business isn't, you know, that's not yeah. a big number, but that was a huge number in 2008. Heck yeah, Definitely. So it was number 67 in the industry, number 16 in Keller Williams. Not that I was paying attention, but, but it was all wow. based on that. So, so my first experience, um, and this is why you have to fail and you have to face challenges to get through those to learn to grow. So my very first, the short version, I was working in corporate America for Sprint and I loved the company, hated the environment. Yeah. And so I wanted to get out of corporate America. I, I, some seminar, not Carlton Sheets, but similar, came to Kansas City and I, I, I showed up late, left early. But I decided that day my passive income is going to be more than my bills. And therefore, I could do whatever I want to do. And so I rushed out and uh, put together a, a group of three other buddies. And we, I had $4,000 cash. I'll never forget. So we, we, we put $16,000 total down and we paid a little bit too much. And the house is on a little bit too far, the wrong side of town. And we put a little bit too money into too much money into fixing it up. And we, we, we spent a little bit too long to get the, oh, man. the work. This uh, sounds like not good. Yeah. So long story short is, and then we were going to, we were going to sell it ourselves 
because I didn't know the value of a real estate agent in that moment yet. <laughs> and uh, so we, because we didn't hire a professional, we sold it for a little bit too little. Into the into the story is we lost all of our money. Oh gosh. And I looked at it as I, I just had a $4,000 Harvard education on oh how, what not to do. The other three gentlemen in this story have never, to my knowledge, and I, I know all of them today, have never bought another investment property. I have bought millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of investment yeah. property because of what I learned there. Absolutely. Just different mindset. Well, and it's, it's, it's funny. Some, some learn from failure. Some learn from going to college, you know, it just depends. And a lot of times in my life, I've never gone, I never went to college. I, I went into real estate right at 21 years old and oh my gosh, have I failed many, many, many times I've failed. Um, but you know, I don't want to stop failing because if I stop failing, that means that I, I'm not doing anything. I'm in my comfort zone and I don't want to live in my comfort zone. You know, this, if you're developing other people, this is maybe, uh, maybe, you know, what is the secret to attracting amazing talent to your organization? And I'll, I'll tell you what mine is, I believe. Um, and, and I, my word for the year, Brad is grace because I, oh, cool. I, I move very fast and, and I'm kind of direct too. And if I'm not careful, people think I don't care. I'm actually deeply caring. I, yeah. I, I worry too much about things and I love people. And my job, and I, I take it to heart that, you know, Zig Ziglar line, if you help enough other people get what they want, yep. you get what you want. And I, I, I heard that for years and I thought, okay, I get it. You don't get it until you actually live it. Right. But the secret, if you want to create the secret to attracting and developing amazing people who will carry you with them as they grow their own career, it's this. Embrace failure. Mm. Embrace it. Treat it like, a, yeah. you know, I, I used to tell Rebecca Rose who, who changed my She's one of the pivotal hires in my life and now, you know, a millionaire in her own right. And, and one of the things that we did together is, is she did not want to make a mistake. And I told her, if you're not making mistakes, you're not moving fast enough. Yep. And so let's not make the ones that take us down. Yeah. But, but if you're not on the cover of Inman for doing something silly, you're not doing <laughs> it right. And that's kind of our, our personality. And that's, and by the way, we've been on the cover of Inman twice. Yeah, so thank got, goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, you know what? You're right though. If you're not doing something, you're being disruptive. Like we always talk about. I mean, that's why you're on the cover of Inman. That's what it's all about, you know? So it's, that's really cool. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to wrap up our conversation with the quote that I love that you, you have come up with. And, and it's actually, you said your, I think your mission statement, it's challenge the limited yep. mindset of a predetermined destiny. What does that mean? So it, you know, it, the meaning, interestingly enough, has has evolved over time as as there's been some growth and some self development. But but very simply, you know, I started out in life with no reason to succeed, um, and really, you know, we talked about the tough upbringing and no socioeconomic help, no mentors, mm-hmm. anything like kind of other than in the church, except for my grandparents, who who I got to see twice a year, but they were the epitome of. Um, God-fearing, loving, wonderful human beings. And so if there's anyone I want to be like in life, it's my grandpa. Mm -hmm. Now, the flip side of that is, you know, he was raised in an environment where if you had an extra dollar, you you were then to give it to the church. The church knew better what to do than you did. Mm -hmm. And while I was a youth pastor at, at one point in my life and other things, I've seen that 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 community, like any other, has been kind of abused. But to challenge the limited mindset of a predetermined destiny simply means everyone can do anything. I fully believe that. And I, I will tell you, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, a, an example that is a little bit direct. And that is when after the George Floyd murder, part of my role at that time was to review social media posts for all Keller Williams agents. And oh, we wow. had, we had some, 
we had some inappropriate content. We fired some agents, um, and I'm very proud of the work we did through that. But I'll tell you what I struggled with. Uh, one of my friends, I grew up also as a as a minority in the in the places that I lived. So oftentimes I was one of a few white people in oh, a, interesting. A, a mostly black school. And and I will tell you that uh, you know I, one of my friends that I went to high school with ended up playing for the Broncos, Denver Broncos. And so I called him. By the way, his family was upper middle class. His dad was an engineer. They kind of took me in their house and fed me growing up and, and all those things. So I always looked at them as socioeconomically ahead of me. And so when all this stuff came out, the one thing that I had a hard time understanding was this idea of white privilege, Brad. Yeah. Because I thought, you don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know, you know, the miscarriages that my wife and I have had. You don't know the, you don't know all the pain and suffering to get yeah. through, you know, he's a, he's a great friend. And he said, Mark, here's what you got to understand. He said, um, because of the color of your skin, nobody knows what you've been through. All we do know. And I, and I, it, I, wow. I got it in that instant, Brad. He said, if you, if you walk into a bank, people think you own it or you work there. If I walk into a bank, there is someone out there who thinks I'm there to rob it. Wow. And it's just the society Interesting. that we live in. And I go, yeah. Oh my gosh, I totally get it now. And that yeah. reshaped my entire thought process. So yeah. I am, overtly vocal about making sure that people, cause I have my own unconscious bias yeah, and that unconscious bias was because I grew up so poor right. that I shouldn't be judged for where I am today. Cause I've yeah. worked my tail off to get here. Right. Yep. But it, it's, it, it's a real thing. That's an, that's an interesting uh, look at it. That's a very interesting look at it. I never, I never thought of that before. And we, the, the tie up to that is I don't care if in this company and if you know me, it doesn't matter what gender what race, it doesn't matter your affinity. It doesn't, nothing, none of that matters. If you do the work, you will succeed. And there is no limit to what you can succeed at other yeah. than your yourself and your own mindset. So I'm challenging the limited mindset because you grew up black or mm-hmm. female or gay or any of yep. those things in, in my world. I love, I love you the same. Come Absolutely. on, let's go to work. Let's change lives together. That's- and that's really what that's about. Awesome. Awesome. I'll tell you what, what a great time talking to you. And I, I can't appreciate enough, uh, you taking the time to be on a show, uh, that I have here, a local show in Reading, Pennsylvania, and it's been great talking to you. It's been great meeting you. And hopefully we'll do this again sometime and, uh, you know, get some more information out there about Keller Williams. You're doing a fantastic job. I love the company that I, I have partnered with and I can't say enough great things about what you guys do. Well, you're very kind. I appreciate you having me. I'd love to come back anytime and it won't be local for long if it's as good as what you did today. So I I appreciate you, Brad. Let me know how I can help. All right. Thanks, man. Sounds good. Thank you. See you. Bye. All right. There we go. We had the big guy. The president of Keller Williams was just on Mark King. And what a great conversation. I had so much fun and I look forward to him coming back again sometime soon. So uh, there you have it. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much. Are your kitchen and bathroom remodels a little overdue? Well, now's your chance to call First Response Contracting. John Sellers will take care of you. 484-256-7136. They do residential and commercial, and they're licensed and insured. Give them a call at 484-256-7136.